What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Oh my goodness, fam. My first interstate event has been run in Sydney, in Paddington, in Sydney. I'm just going to take a moment to celebrate myself. Isn't that fucking cool? Isn't that really just really fucking cool? I love how much I swear. Hello to any of Steph's audience that's coming over to tune into her podcast. I swear quite a lot, but you know, I really am all about self-expression and the woman truly connecting to the truth of who she is. <laughs> the question could be like, who is the truth of who you are? A woman who says fuck a lot? Well, yeah, I say it a little bit. Sorry, mum. Whoops. <laughs> but I ran my first interstate event and I'm really proud of myself. You know, I'm taking a moment to actually be in celebration of this is an achievement. Because sometimes as women, we can get on this perpetual cycle of nothing ever being good enough, no success ever being successful enough, no amount of weight loss ever making us thin enough, skinny enough, toned enough. And I think as humans, right, we're ingrained to desire to climb the mountain and then get to the top of the mountain and realize from the top of that mountain, we can see another mountain. It's kind of just in us to do that. And it's great to reach and try and strive. In fact, in True Transformation tonight, we were talking about healthy productivity. I love fucking being productive. I love it. It feels great. And that striving energy of needing to prove the self, of needing to prove that something an ex-boyfriend said about us once isn't true and that's why we strive, that is definitely not a come from that we want to have for our lives. And a way to counteract that, not counteract that, but remedy it, antidote it, is to, in the moments of achievement that feels honorable, worthy, just something that we're experiencing deep pride around, there gets to be a moment taken where we stop and feel the vibration of celebration in our body. So I don't know yet what I'm going to do to celebrate this. I'm with Miriam Brewer in Paddington, Sydney. So I'm sure we're up to something fucking fun anyway. And another celebration fam, tomorrow True Transformation comes to a close. It is honestly my favorite work. It's my signature group program. And for the past 10 weeks, I have literally witnessed women's lives transform from the inside out. I fly to Austin, Texas this Wednesday. I'm support coaching the Bridge Experience and Extreme Leadership, the same workshops that facilitated by Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles that I co-facilitated. I always say co-facilitated, like I'm a part of it. No, I'm a support coach. We're called The Guardians. I did that in Gold Coast recently, and I'm flying to Austin to support that work there. But after Austin, I'm doing a nervous system training in Austin. I'm doing a leadership training in Austin. I'm support coaching this work in Austin. But after Austin, I'm taking myself to New York City. And that is to celebrate. That is to celebrate the close of true transformation. That is to celebrate my first interstate in-person work. That is my celebration. I actually asked my inner child, what do you want to do? when you get to America, because I thought to myself, do I just go to America and then fly straight home? And I said, no way. I haven't been to New York since I was a child. I want to fucking go to New York as an adult and experience it. That is my self-fucking celebration. Let's fucking go. So today is not at all about any of that. Today is an incredible guest episode with an incredible guest mentor. Her name is Steph Gorton. She's actually my business coach and I really acknowledge her as we open the podcast today. So I'm not going to get into too many details about who she is. But prior to opening the conversation, I said to Steph and I say this to all of my podcast guests, what is hot on your heart today? 
because yeah, I follow these people online or yeah, I know who these people are. I know what they're passionate about and I don't want to assume that I know what they want to talk about. And I feel that the thing that's going to be most potent for you to receive, for you to hear in your ears is what's hot on their heart today. And Seth said, how powerless women make themselves by not owning what it is that they really want. Fucking mic drop or what? Is that not just my jam all over? I am such a full body fuck yes to women claiming what their desires are, owning what their desires are, and then going for it wholeheartedly. Some of us are like, yeah, I know exactly what I want, but I just hopefully it works out. We're not in the ownership of what it is that we're not what we want. We're not in the ownership of what we want. We're not claiming what it is that we want. And if we don't do that, how the fuck are we ever meant to get it? So whether you're a business owner, a woman desiring to create more financial expansion for herself, or no matter what journey really you're on when it comes to this conversation, I feel like you really want to tune in today. You're going to receive so much value from it. And if you do, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag myself and tag Steph, because I know that she will love to connect with you. Strap yourself in, fam. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. Fam, I am sitting here today with the most phenomenal woman. She is actually my business coach. She really makes my day whenever she shows up in my inbox, whether it's to remind me of something that I've forgotten. She's your biggest number one fucking hype girl on the absolute planet, but also someone that gets you so geared up to get into aligned action to really take on the world and blow up your business in the best, most aligned way possible. Steph Gordon, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Oh, babe, did you write that or did you just heart speak that? Oh, you know, I don't write anything. Otherwise, I try and get it right. I just free flow all the time. Mate, you nailed that. That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, so welcome. And I so mean it. Steph, actually, funny story. When I first met Steph, Steph was like an absolute trigger for me at a public speaking event. And I'm so glad and grateful that I lent in because so much magic has been created and so much trust. And I feel so held. Like I fully surrender to Steph's leadership and support. I just love being guided by you, Steph. You're just a phenomenal woman. And thank you for leaning in because I think that so often it can be so difficult to coach people who don't want to be coached, who don't fully trust. And it's like, if you've made this investment, if you've made an investment, you may as well go balls deep and really try your hardest to, you know, do everything the coach says or or try implementing the things that feel right and feel aligned for you. But Beck, you've just been such an angel of a, a student and an angel of a client because you really do take aligned action and you're so aware, which really helps, of your own stories and your own stuff that could potentially get in your way and you don't allow it to cloud you, which is so great. I think that awareness is so key in business is knowing that this is going to be likely my downfall and you'll actually come to me and you're like, hey, Steph, so this is coming up and I'm super aware like I'm really aware this is the thing, right? But I kind of just need you to remind me that that's definitely a thing. <laughs> Whenever I'm having the biggest meltdown, I'm like, I'm not going to bring this to step. And then I think to myself, actually, this is why you have a coach to bring them your biggest meltdown. And as soon as I bring it to step, it like dissipates within a few hours. And I think to myself, why do clients always think they need to deal with their big stuff outside of their coach? Even though I'm like, lean the fuck in back, bring it to step. She'll support you. I don't know if you say this, but I think that's where women as a group, as a community are going quite, I don't want to say wrong because I don't really believe in right or wrong, but I really think we're in an unhelpful cycle of not allowing ourselves to be supported by each other and not allowing ourselves to support each other fully because there is that. And like you had that wound. I have that wound as well of not allowing myself to be supported by other women. 
There are so many incredible women out there that want to hold you, that want to support you, that want to hold you in your messy middle. And I think that it's really beautiful when you can find those people in your world. Amen. For any person listening right now who doesn't actually know who Steph Gordon is and what you actually do, can you please share that with us? I love this question because it's always different every time I answer it. And the reason for that is because we're always in a state of evolution, right? So I guess as a woman, I am a new wife. I have two beautiful dogs that I adore. I'm an only child, a daughter. I am a business coach by, I guess, trade or name. But I'd say that what I do is actually so much deeper than that. And I think the mission that's on my heart in this lifetime is to help women uncover their true power and their true capability and to really own and claim what they are put here to do and, and to go after it. And business is one of the ways in which I help women to do that. But in my lifetime, there'll be a lot of ways and a lot of vehicles that I use to deliver that message. Ultimately, I just want women who were just like me as I was growing up, didn't have a lot, didn't have the opportunities necessarily, didn't have entrepreneurial parents, didn't have the belief systems. I have friends of mine whose parents grew up showing them Tony Robbins when they were 12 years old and they had all this self-development in their youth. And like, I didn't have any of that. Like I started self-development when I was 27. So I had no idea that this world was available. And I guess this power was inside of me laying dormant. And I want other women to wake Mm. up and realize that there's a power inside of them that lays dormant. And I think everything I do in this lifetime will be around that. Mm. I love every single part of that. And you're such an incredible community builder. Your business is women. And I'm wondering, was it always so natural for you to just lead women? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's why I got into what I do, actually. Naturally, I was the friend that people came to (laughs) all through school. And then even in the workplace, when I was in my corporate job, I was always that girl that people wanted to confide in or wanted their opinion. People always came to me, I guess. I didn't know that that could be a skill or could be something that was utilized. I just was that person for people, that support person, that cheerleader, that hype girl for others. And it wasn't until I went to a self-development seminar in 2017 when I realized that all I wanted to do, if money wasn't a problem, if I could spend my days doing anything, all I wanted to do was talk to women. I just wanted them to know they didn't have to stay in that Mm. shitty relationship. I wanted them to know that they look beautiful even with their cellulite. I wanted them to know that they were so much more magnificent than they could see. And if I could just talk to women Mm. all day, that was all I wanted to do. And I told myself the day that that dropped in for me, I found that that was my thing. And then I also created a new story, which was, yes, but you can't make money from that. And so that was, at first, a really big blocker for me for getting into this industry. It was like, well, you can't just talk to people. Everyone talks to people. So what makes your talk so much more special? Why should you get paid for it? You know. And I thought, the only way that I can get paid to do this is to potentially become a psychologist or a counselor. But your girl's not a studier. So I was like, mm, I don't really want to go to university. I don't really want to do this. And so for a long time, I stayed really stuck in that space of wanting to help people, but feeling like I wasn't qualified, good enough or worthy enough to do so. I love that so much. Do you feel you see this play out for so many women who come into your community or who are considering joining? Eva reminds me of the Alan Watts video. I'm not sure if you've all seen it. I want to put it in the link. It's one of my favorite videos. If you could do anything, what is it that you would do? And some people are like, well, I would paint, I would ride horses, I would this. And he was like, well, do that. And if you do it enough, you're going to become a master and eventually you're going to be a master who can get paid for their craft. But most people say, this is my craft and I can become a master at it, but no one's going to pay for that. Is that a very common thing that you see from women who enter your space of like, I have something I am so fiercely passionate about, but I just don't know how to get paid for it? Yes. And I think that the reason for that is because of social media. They see Mm. other women doing it 
and I did the exact same thing. So for me, my first idol in business was a woman in Australia. She just got named Australian of the Year this year. Her name's Taryn Brumfit. And she was doing a huge push on body image at the time. I've struggled really severely with body dysmorphia in my lifetime. And she created this incredible documentary. And I was like, I want to help women with their body image. You usually want to teach what you need to heal, yes? And so I was teaching this thing that I really wanted women to know they were beautiful no matter what they look like. Really what I wanted myself to know was that I was beautiful no matter what I look like. And at that time, my thought process was, one, you can't get paid for doing that. And two, you're not as good as her. Therefore, why would anyone pay you? Mm. So it was also a comparison thing. Like there's people doing it. They're doing it better than you. They have more resources than you. What value do you have to add to this conversation? That was some of the thoughts that were going through my head. And that is exactly the same thoughts that I see in women every single day, for sure. So how does that woman, what do you say to her, Steph? How does she get started? I think that too often what we do in business or in life or wherever it is, if it's that corporate promotion that you want, if you want to one day be the CEO of that business, if you want to one day be the sales exec, whatever it is like that you're looking up to, it's not just in business. It can also be in life. It can also be in body. If you want a six pack, if you want a big booty, if you want to get the fittest you've ever been and be on stage and do bodybuilding, it's the exact same process for all of those achievements and all of those goals is you have to start with the first step and you can't compare your first step to somebody's, you know, if you, if you're a bodybuilder, you wouldn't expect to look like a bodybuilder after day one (laughs) of training at the gym, you know? So I think it's like, be realistic about the fact that your first step is going to be messy and it is going to be ugly and you are going to make fuckloads of mistakes and you're going to have no idea what you're doing for a really long time. And it's okay to be shit when you start. And you have to be shit when you start, really, mm. to be able to you know, become good at it. You're not going to be a skillful black belt on your first day on the mat. Mm. Now in my business, I apply all my mistakes in disordered eating and dieting because I just wanted the six-pack in six weeks or 12 weeks. So I would do everything for a short amount of time and then I would fall off the wagon and be a hundred steps backwards and then start again and be a hundred steps backwards because I saw the mountain and all I was fixated on was the top. I didn't care. I really discredited the first one, two and three steps feeling like they weren't important. So I tried to rush and every time it would catapult me backwards. Whereas now I'm thinking to myself, well, if I had gone to the gym every day at even 30% capacity, I still would have propelled myself so much further forward than trying to go 2,000% for 12 weeks. So how did you start, Steph? You see this woman online. She's your biggest inspiration. She's now Australian of the Year. You think to yourself, she's so much better than me. But somehow you started. Like I even saw your video that you posted of young Steph the other day in House of Hobby, and she's so adorable doing a video. And now even though she was amazing, you're so fluent and confident on video now. How did you get going in the face of those fears. That video is so cute, by the way. I had so many people comment. You guys can go on my social media, you'll find it. But they were like, oh my God, that's so sweet. And my reply to every single person that said that to me was, I'm so proud of her because she had no idea where she was going to end up, right? And she was so bad. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) But she didn't care because she was just putting one foot in front of the other. And she had no idea that it was going to lead her to this lifetime. I had no idea that I wouldn't end up here. I had no idea that we'd be millionaires by the time we were 31. I had no idea I was going to marry the man of my dreams. I had no idea. Like I didn't know I could have this much, right? I didn't believe I could have this much. So how do I start? The first thing I actually did, two things. One, you have to surround yourself with people who are doing it. And that was a really big one for me because when I told people at work that I wanted to do this thing, they were very much in employee mindsets, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but they were very much like, 
oh, that sounds crazy. You sure you should just work for a promotion? Or I don't know if you should try that. I had a friend that did that and they failed. (laughs) I just didn't have a lot of people in my corner who really believed. But I did meet my now husband, Tim. And he was like, Steph, just start. Just if, if nothing else, just build a website. Just build a website. Just start. And building a website is a really great place to start because it forces you to get clear on what you're actually going to offer, who you are, because you have to write an about me page, why you're passionate and what you want to do. But the thing that really catapulted all was a book by Melissa Ambrosini called Master Your Mean Girl. And that book was quite pivotal for me because until that point, I wasn't aware that my thoughts weren't true. And so it wasn't until I read that book that I realized that I actually have control of the narrative in my head and that other people have a really nasty narrative as well, that they have a mean girl that lives inside of them and shouts awful things at them. I just did not know that was a thing. I just thought that everything that my head said was correct and I never had a reason to doubt it. So that was a really game-changing realization for me was that I actually had to choose my thoughts. When those thoughts come up, I could choose whether I want to buy into those thoughts or I could choose whether I want to make a new thought or even just pick the next best thought. I love that. And when you say how powerless women make themselves by not owning what they want and you say that woman in the video didn't know by 31 she's going to be a millionaire, didn't know by 31 that she was going to meet the man of her dreams, what thoughts was that woman having? And at what point were you like, no, fuck it, I'm owning it. I am going to be a millionaire by 31. I am marrying the man of my dreams. Like, how did that all happen? So the thoughts that were originally going through my head were, you have to be special to have success. What I mean by special was connections, qualifications, and a skill set. And I kind of just didn't realize at the time that you could develop a skill set. I didn't know that you could develop a skill set. I'd grown up my whole life with my parents putting me into sport and then pulling me out of sports because I wasn't naturally gifted. My parents were always pushing me to be like naturally gifted at something. And so I thought that if it wasn't natural, then I just wasn't gifted, right? And so uh, for me personally, when I wanted to do this thing, the thoughts that were coming up for me was like, well, you don't have anything. I spent my whole high school and my early 20s waiting. Like I had friends that wanted to be architects. I had friends that wanted to be nurses. I had friends that wanted to be teachers. And I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I've been waiting my whole life for that thing to drop in, just to be like, this is what you want to be. And then when it dropped in, because it was not what anyone else was doing that I knew, I was like, you can't do that because there's no proof or evidence here. Like That's not a normal path. Like You can't just speak to people and get paid. That's not a normal path. Only people with special talents or connections can do that. So I really talked myself out of it a lot. Not qualified enough, don't have enough connections, not popular enough, not smart enough. Oh my God, not smart enough was like, that was my thing for a really long time. Not smart enough. Not big enough Instagram following. I have so many clients are like, my following is not big enough. I don't have enough people in my network. I haven't been building my Instagram. You were a personal trainer before. You've been working on your Instagram for 10 plus years. I've got 500 people. I'm like, I know people with 500 followers with half a million dollar businesses or more. I know people with 500 followers that have $10 million businesses. I know people who are not on Instagram. Well, I don't know them personally, but no, of people who are not on Instagram with referral-based businesses that are absolutely killing it. I'm like, Instagram is not the be all and end all. It also reminds me when you're talking about your parents who were trying to push you into a natural talent of yours without the hard work behind it. It reminds me of that saying, 
hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Like someone could be naturally gifted at anything, but if you don't fucking work hard at it, the person that's working hard on building that skill set for themselves, you can develop. Even someone the other day said to me, I want a business, but I'm not a good business owner. I just want to operate it. And I said to them, do you desire to learn? Because you can learn anything, but you need the desire for it, for it to become possible. And so I'm curious from that point, how did you go from these limiting beliefs, not feeling like you're special enough, not having the network or the connections yet to create the kind of multi-million dollar business that you're building right now. How did you go from that, not even knowing that you're going to be a millionaire by 31, not knowing that you're going to have your husband, the man of your dreams by 31, to then powerfully owning what you were calling? How did that happen? I'm trying to think of the exact moment because I feel like there probably was one. There were multiple moments, I think. So I made the decision to start my first business. And my first business, I made that decision because I knew I still wanted to speak to women, but I knew that I needed to build a bigger audience. And I couldn't just walk out and get a speaking gig because I didn't know anybody. And I had 200 people on my Instagram. They were friends from school. That was it. And so I had to build that audience. I knew that. So what I did was I started a business where I could be in front of women, but I wasn't the attraction. I wasn't the star attraction. So I built a business called House of Hobby. We ran creative workshops in Perth. And every single workshop, I forced myself to get up in front of these women and speak about the mission that was on my heart, which was bringing women together, finding their own hobbies, making sure they valued themselves and they took enough time for self-care. And I did this every single weekend for multiple workshops a weekend for 18 months. And so a lot of women knew. And because I was standing up in front of these women, they were following me on Instagram. So I put myself in the way of an audience over and over again, repeatedly. Mm. But always because I knew House of Hobby was never the end goal for me. The end goal for me was doing what I do today, but I I didn't feel like Mm. I could. So I started with what I felt comfortable doing. So I didn't start teaching and coaching. I started with just being in front of people and sharing a message that was on my heart. And then there was a second drop-in moment where I had to step into coaching. Now, a lot comes up when you step into coaching. I'm sure you're super aware. Who am I to teach? Who am I to help? Who am I to guide? What have I created? Why should they listen to me? There are other people doing it. You know, all of that stuff. It it reared its ugly head again. And the one thing that shifted for me when I fully fucking owned it was I joined a mastermind and the mastermind had only business coaches in it. And there were people in that mastermind that were sharing their wins week on week. And some people's wins were like, we made a million dollars this month. And I was like, what? And I'm over here being like, I'd love to make 10K this month. And I realized just by being in presence with these people, how small I was playing and how if these people Mm. who were just everyday humans in Australia were able to generate that much income and hold it and own it and claim it, that I should be comfortable to do so as well. I love that you took that as a permission slip rather than I can't compete with that. I'm never going to get there. You saw them. You decided they were really no different in comparison to you and that if you really wanted it, you could generate that for yourself. So do you feel from that moment of stepping into that room with those humans, that's the moment that you started to powerfully claim what it is that you really wanted? Yeah. And I think that it comes down to who you surround yourself with because if you surround yourself with small thinkers, you'll only Mm. think small. And you need expanders in your life. You need people who do give you that permission slip. And then, like, this is why we have coaches, right? Beck, this is why you have a coach. This is why I have a coach, you know? It's so that we can say, you know what? Actually, fuck it. I'd love a $50,000 month. And then somebody can support you and hold you in it even when the doubt creeps in because the doubt will creep in. 
It always does. You have a slightly bad month, you miss a sale, you know, whatever happens, happens. And you start to think to yourself, oh shit, maybe I can't do this. And that's when it's so important to be surrounded by people who are expanding you, who are pushing you and who do also believe in you. I think that's the other, the other thing. It's like, you can believe in yourself so much, but we all need accountability. Like, I'm sorry, but very rarely will you see someone get up on a bodybuilding stage that doesn't have a coach <laughs> because holding yourself to that level of accountability and standard every single day to generate that result is almost near impossible to do it alone. Yes, to having a coach. I mean, the thing is when you're selling coach, you're like, here you go. I'm giving you something that is actually intangible. You can't see it, touch it, hold it. It doesn't get put in a parcel and land on your front door. However, there's infinite possibility on the other side of it. And a lot of it's dependent on how much you're really willing to go there. Like the coach can be absolutely phenomenal. If I don't show up to the Zoom and I don't listen to your voice memos, well, there's only so much result I can get. So I really have to show the fuck up for it. So you're saying the women that really keep themselves powerless by not owning what they want, a part of it is the community that they're putting themselves in. A part of it is not reaching out for support or getting a mentor to help guide them. What else do you think? Part of that is limiting beliefs around skill set or comparison online, feeling like Beck, Steph or Preston, whoever it is, is so much further ahead in my journey. So why should I even bother starting? Do you feel there are any other factors that really play out? The number one factor actually is you have to claim what you want. Mm -hmm. For me, yeah, that's $10 million liquid cash right? But for you, that might not be the case. Mm. It is so important to know what it is that you want. And I think the number one problem I see with clients as they come into our mastermind or women that I have conversations with every single day is they are holding on to fluff instead of tangible, actionable dreams and goals. And the fluff that I'm talking about is, oh, Steph, I just love financial freedom. Oh, Steph, I just loved some time freedom. Oh, I just would love some lifestyle freedom. What the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> what does that mean to you? Because what that means to me is 10 million liquid. I'm sure for most people, that'd be like, what? No way. <laughs> for other people, that'd be a lot smaller number. For other people, it'd be a lot bigger number. So what is it for you? What does it actually look like? What do you want to do with that money? Like for me, I had to sit down and go, okay, what does financial freedom actually look like? Well, financial freedom looks like never having to look at the menu for prices. Okay. So what places do you want to go to dinner and how much does it cost to go for dinner there? And then how many times a week or month do you want to go there? Like actually figuring it out, you know? And then also like, I want to fly business class. Okay. Well, how many flights do you want to take business class per year? Where do you want to go? How much money will you need to be able to afford to do that? Like I want to put my dad into the best care facility that money can buy, right? Well, do your research. How much is that actually going to cost to get your dad into that care facility? And so I actually had to come up with what's the figure? What's the number? And then I built a bit more of a process around one, do I believe that's possible? And what are my limiting beliefs surrounding that? And two, okay, if this is going to be a game plan, who the fuck am I going to have in my corner to help me get there? Oh my God. And, you know, as you're talking about how specific you go when it comes to creating and claiming what we're desiring and, you know, your version of financial freedom is going to look so far different to my version, which is going to look so different to my dad's, to my sister's, to my partner's. I'm curious, what I heard in that was a lot of courage. I'm assuming that a lot of people would go into avoidance of doing that thing that you've just suggested. Thoughts? Correct. Yeah, they do. And they do because for two reasons. One, they're massively indecisive. And this is where women stay powerless, right? This is the kind of conversation that I wanted to have with you. This is how women keep themselves powerless by not deciding. 
it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, but I don't know if I want business class flights. Or I don't know. And, and I think the other thing that they do is they borrow dreams from other women, things that they see on Instagram. Oh, yeah, $10,000 a month sound good. Oh, yeah, I think I might want a Chanel handbag. It's like, do you actually want those things? Are those things actually going to bring you joy? Maybe. Like, I love my YSL handbag. Like, I'm down for it. I'm not here to say that those things aren't amazing and great. What I'm here to say is, do you want them? Really want them? Is that really going to bring you joy? And so, yes, one, they hide an avoidance. And the reason they hide an avoidance is because they're terrified that they'll fail. Or in some cases, they're terrified they'll succeed. And I know that sounds crazy. And I'm sure you probably had conversations about fear of success before. But I am a fear of success. I have a fear of success more than failure. I'm happy to fail because failing keeps me in my comfort zone. Failing means I don't need to grow. Failing means I don't have to be uncomfortable. Success terrifies me because what if everything changes? What if my relationship changes? Mm. What if I lose friends? What if I get bigger and better opportunities than I could ever have had before? Do I actually feel worthy enough to hold that? And so my sabotage appears as a fear of success, but for a lot of women, it's also a fear of failure. Mm, Massive, massive, massive. Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably, Steph. Just on the borrowing someone else's dream, I said to myself, once I hit this certain goal in my business, I'm going to buy myself a designer handbag. I don't like handbags. I don't like shoes. I don't like shopping. And I have this beautiful dress from an engagement party and my mum bought me like this $24.95. You know those cheap handbag stores? This little white purse. Well, it's my new favorite thing. So the month came and I looked at my purse. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to keep my little purse here. I don't value it. I thought to myself, why would I buy something that doesn't actually bring me absolute huge amounts of joy? So I'm a really big advocate and encourager of not buying other people's dreams. And that's where I really feel we can succumb to social media influence. Yes. It goes so much deeper than just like identifying what the monetary value is of the goal. Because layered and layered in and upon that, is who are you really and what do you really want? And that is a question Mm. that people can spend whole lifetimes trying to understand and find out. And I think it's something that's ever-evolving and ever-changing. And and I think as people, as humans, as women especially, we just wear so many masks that removing those masks piece by piece, you know, I was the good girl at school and then I was also the fat girl at school. And then I was the very flirtatious, very sexual early 20s, you know? And then I became the career woman. And then I became the business owner. And I think we wear so many masks that it's so hard to find what we truly want in amongst all of that masking because we're so many different versions of us. And so I love that this is the work that you do, Beck, is you help people peel those masks back to uncover what is true for them and true in their heart, aside from all the identities that they've created for themselves. And I really believe that that can tie in so much to the indecisiveness that you spoke about. Because if I don't know who I am and I'm wearing a mask to fit in, well, that version of me is going to make a very different choice to the truth of me who might make a very different choice to the person who's trying to appease my family, who might make a very different choice to the person who's trying to fit in with my partner and his group of friends. And so the indecisiveness can be, well, I don't even really know who I am because I'm playing all of these different roles to appease people in my life or in society. But my truth, I'm very unclear on because I really haven't even spent enough time with myself to ask me, what do I really want? Do I want the handbag? Do I just want to play catch with my sister and her dog on the beach and have a $5 coffee? And that feels like freedom to me. And because I'm so far away from the truth of who I am 
and there's so many decisions on my imaginary decision board, I really don't know what to pick. And then that person Mm. can get stuck in, well, what if I make the wrong decision? And that comes up frequently with women in my space and I really want to go there with you. What would you say to a woman who has this fear like, what, Steph, I know you said indecision, what if I make the wrong one? The wrong one is the key to your freedom. And I have made the wrong one. Beck, you have made the wrong one. Gosh, just look at my relationship lineup. Like, <laughs> I have made plenty of wrong decisions, right? <laughs> I have made wrong decisions with money. I have made wrong decisions with coaches. I have made wrong decisions with the way that I've handled clients. I have made wrong decisions with conversations that I've had and the way that I've phrased things with my husband. I make wrong decisions all the fucking time. But once you make it and it lands, you know in your body that it was wrong and you then have the opportunity to make it right. And I think that as a society, we go so wrong is we make a wrong decision, but because we made it and our ego was like, no, you must always be right. We stand by it even when we know that it wasn't right. And I see people do that a lot. Like they say something online, for example, we're in the fitness world, obviously we're in a gym as well. And people might be vegan and then decide that they no longer want to be vegan and that actually they want to go into a carnivore diet. But because they've been so publicly vegan, they stick with it, even though they might be having health issues or it's not working for their body or whatever, because they've been so public about it, their ego is going to have a death, right? If they come out publicly and, and claim something different. And so I think it's about being really honest with yourself. It's okay to make wrong decisions as long as once you know they're wrong, you make them right. Mm. Almost reminds me of my move in with Jake. I was conflicted with, is it too soon? Is it the right time? I think it's too soon. But if I don't try, then I'll never know. And we did it. And the truth was for me, it was too soon. And so it doesn't mean that the relationship has to end. It doesn't mean anything except we're just completing this current lease early. We're choosing a new path. And then the next time that we move in together, it'll look very different and be on very, very different terms. But my body knew after four weeks, I know that this isn't right right now and this gets to be navigated in a different way. But it has sent me and my life on a different direction because I'm about to go traveling and working and learning and studying on a whole new growth journey for seven weeks that maybe if I'd never moved, this would never be occurring. So I think even the wrong decision can never really truly take you off path. And I think that every wrong decision I've ever made led me here, you know, and like every wrong relationship, every wrong, you know, misguided trust that I placed in the wrong people, every red flag that I ignored and made wrong decisions on, you know, ultimately, like if we look at relationships, it led me to Tim and I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful for that. And so I think, and like same with you, Beck, like, yes, it was a big, hard decision. Yes, there were some, some moments in this that were hard for you, in coming to terms with the wrong decision and the pain of having to have hard, tough, icky conversations, potentially let people down. But now it's like, because of the decisions you've made, you're on this new path, you're on this new journey, you're about to have, and I can see it, a huge growth trajectory because of the decisions that you've made. And guys, you will never, ever, ever regret stepping out of your comfort zone, ever. Steph, you're amazing. I know we've only got a few minutes left. You're, you're this woman who has just annihilated so much and created so much, generated so much. You're such an activator for me and your entire community. I'm really curious. I know to begin with, we spoke about the powerlessness and we also spoke about the shame attached to owning what it is that we really want. Would you have been a part? Because when you're like, yes, well, million dollar business by 31, 10 million liquid cash, 
would there have been would there have been a part of you a version of you previously who would not have said that with so much certainty with so much pride with so much conviction yes she was it was all of me for a very long time even when I joined the mastermind where those people were making a million dollars in a month it's actually a mastermind about getting to a million dollars right that's the whole purpose of the mastermind and when I joined and the salesperson told me oh yeah within 12 months you'll have a million dollar business I actively laughed out loud because there was a part of my body that was excited, of course, but most of me was laughing because it seemed so impossible. And that was only two years ago. And for any woman that's listening to this right now that's thinking, okay, I actually want a multi-million dollar business, but I've not even made my first five grand yet. So I don't even want to give that a voice because how could I really claim this huge thing? I haven't even hit the 5K mark. What would you say to her? I would just say, one, you need to create an evidence bank. So number one is find more women like me, as an example, who started from nothing, started from the bottom, now we're here. Find more women like me. Find more women online. Build your evidence bank of people who have done this before you, women who have gone before you. Create truth around it. And then know that, and this is the second part, This is your life's work. So while I may have done this in two years because I had the tools and the resources and I'd spent two and a half years prior to that building an audience, while I may have been able to do this in two years, it's okay if it takes you 10. Because when you're 40, when you've, I know so many millionaires, billionaires that didn't even become rich until they were in their 40s or 50s. And that's amazing. That's totally fine. This is your life's work. So find the thing that you're passionate about, thing that you'd love to make millions of dollars doing, and then find a way to make that possible and also be open to changing it, you know, in whatever way. You could do it in property investment, so many different ways to generate wealth in this lifetime, and then find someone to show you how. Amazing. I love how you said started from the bottom, now we're here, because I love my journey. And the reason that I feel so attracted to yours, so attracted to Preston's, is I see people who were at rock bottom and have created so much for themselves. And I always say, whatever you're navigating, someone has broken through exactly what you're going through. Whether it's, you know, I speak about herpes on the internet, whatever it is, money, wealth, business. And I love that we've all been at at the bottom and the people guiding me have built themselves from the bottom up. And if they can do it, I can do it. That's my permission slip. Yeah. And that's been my permission slip the whole time as well. If somebody else can do this, if multiple people could do this, then I can do it. And the same thing ran true actually for me in my relationships. I had a few friends of mine who got married at 24, 26. I was still very, very single, but very, very determined to get married young, but it didn't quite happen. I literally only got married this year. I'm 33. (laughs) Uh, And so very determined to get married young, but it didn't happen that way for me. While going through multiple breakups over and over again, I witnessed friends that were in very committed, very happy, very healthy relationships. And I thought to myself, if I have multiple friends, at first I thought one friend, she was just lucky. But when I had multiple friends that were in these really healthy, wholesome relationships, I was like, Steph, this is possible for you. And don't you settle until you get it. And the same thing goes for my business. When I saw so many people doing it, I was like, this is possible for you. So don't settle for anything less. Amazing. I feel like that's such a powerful note to almost complete on. Steph Gordon, what does it mean to be raw, real, and vulnerable in your own life? It's not being scared about 
not being liked. It's about loving myself regardless of other people's opinions. Mm. For me personally, that's how it rolls out. (laughs) I love it. You're incredible. You know how much I adore you. Biggest hype girl ever. Number one, Steph fan. Thank you so much for being a part of today. If the audience would love to get more of your juice, more of your magic, connect with you, where can they find you? Instagram is my local hangout. Like Beck was saying before, there are so many other ways to grow your business, but I love Instagram. So if you want to come hang out, if you have any questions, you can find me there. That's where Beck and I connect heaps as well. (laughs) So yeah, if you want to find me, come over to my Instagram. Steph, thank you so much for your time today, my darling. Thank you, my love. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, Firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.